Hello and welcome to Bible Teaching. Uh, we're going to be continuing a series tonight that we started, well, last week we technically started a series, but it's, it's a group of teachings that I've been doing on the miraculous and the power of God and the manifestation of the power of God. And we spent some time talking about uh, specifically God's power and what the power of God can do and what it's capable of doing. And uh, I spent quite a few weeks on that because it's, it's something that we need a greater revelation of. Uh, the, the miraculous is not very real to a lot of Christians. Uh, it's taken a while for a lot of Christians to just get a hold of the whole idea of healing, uh, let alone other things. And, yet, and healing certainly is powerful. Healing is a manifestation of the power of God. And God can certainly heal the body. But when we start to talk in, in a, little bit, a little bit further into the realm of the miraculous, uh, and the things that we see happen in the Bible, the sitting of the Red Sea, walking on water, these kind of things are not real to a lot of Christians. And uh, we, need to, we need to start, they need to become real to us. We need to start to, to realize that the miraculous is supposed to be a part of the Christian life. It's supposed to be happening within Christianity, within the lives of individual Christians, not just in some parts of the world, not just in lands far away, but right here in our country, in the United Kingdom, or in America where you're listening, or in Africa or Europe, right across Europe, everywhere there's a Christian, everywhere there's a church, the power of God, the miraculous, is supposed to be part of our lives. And uh, so th this whole group of teachings, I'm spending time on this, and we're learning, looking into the Word of God. We're, we're expanding in our thinking and, and, and to the point where the miraculous becomes more real to us. And we start to believe and expect that these things can happen. And uh, so what I started last week specifically, like I said, a few weeks ago, we were talking a lot about the power of God. But last week specifically, I started doing some teaching on faith for miracles. Faith. And we started looking at the connection between faith and the miraculous in the Bible. Now, like I said, Christians a long time have, have debated over whether faith is involved in healing. Well, I think they're going to have a bit of a struggle. If they can't believe in faith being involved in healing, they're going to struggle with the next step. This is the step, the next step along the path, beginning to understand that faith is not just involved in receiving healing. It's involved in all areas of the miraculous. And I'm going to show you this. We looked at this connection a bit last week. We started to see it. Uh, in Hebrews chapter 11, uh, it, it talks about that shows that faith was connected in some way. I explored the connection yet, but faith was in, in connected to that the, the miracle of where the Red Sea was split and they walked through on dry ground. Uh, and, and right after that, the next verse in Hebrews 11 shows that faith was connected to the walls of Jericho coming down. Those walls didn't come down naturally. They didn't batter them down. That was a manifestation of miraculous power that flattened those impenetrable walls in just a few moments. And um, faith is connected to both of these events in the Bible, two of the greatest miracles in the Bible. Uh, Hebrews 11 shows faith was involved. Now, we're going to see this even more today. We're going to explore this connection. But before we do, I just want to read you some things. Uh, one that Jesus said, and, and two that are said connected to Jesus. And the first is in Matthew 4, Matthew chapter 4 and verse 16. 
And good evening, everyone. I'm seeing the messages. Good to see you and have you with us. Matthew chapter 4, verse 16 says this. The people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. And upon those who sit in the region and shadow of death, light has dawned. Light. And when you look into the New Testament, you'll see there's a lot of talk of the whole subject of light. And in fact, uh, John chapter 8, verse 12, it says, Then Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. Light. And in that place, he talked about us, the believers. We are the light of the world. But this, this whole subject of light is very important to understand. Uh, and, and, and light can refer to a lot of things. The Bible even shows that God is light. In fact, everything, everything connected to the kingdom of God is light. But another thing, an, an, an important area that light is connected to in the Bible is understanding. You see, we even use it, we have the idea like the lights came on. Oh, suddenly I realized I understood. And this is such an important thing in the New Testament is, is the connection between light and understanding. This is a New Testament message. If you've heard me teach much, you'll know that I say a lot of Christians, a lot of the a large portions of the church build their understanding out of the Old Testament. They want to understand healing, but only look in the Old Testament. And they get themselves confused and in a muddle over scriptures. But then they don't want to listen to the New Testament perspective on some things. If we're gonna, if we're gonna really get a hold of what God's got for us and see some things, we've got to come on over to the New Testament, because you, you see, the New Testament is where God brings light. When Jesus came into this earth, He brought light, and and a big part of light is understanding. Many many people are in the dark. Uh, you see, when when you don't understand something, they're in the dark. When you've got questions and uncertainties, then that's that's a sign of being in the dark. Uh, and, and, and it has been pushed. The idea has been pushed in the church that we cannot understand things of God. We cannot know. Oh, you know, you, you just don't know why God answers prayer. You don't know why God heals some and God doesn't heal some. And th this whole idea has been pushed at us. It's a lie. I'm going to have the courage to say it. It's, it's about time we recognize it for what it is. These ideas that we don't know how to get prayer answered and we don't know where, you know, whether God answer, whether he won't answer. This is lies. It has been taught by what Jesus called blind leaders of the blind. These are people who didn't understand the things of God themselves. And yet they try to teach the things of God to other people. And all they bring is greater blindness, greater darkness and greater confusion. But the message of the New Testament is a message of light. Jesus came to bring light and with light is understanding. Uh, Paul prayed that the eyes of your understanding be enlightened. In other words, light to your eyes, the eyes of your understanding. The message of the New Testament is that God wants you to know. God wants you to understand. God wants you to, 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 to not be in the dark anymore about how things work. One of the greatest powerful truths of the New Testament is that you can know and you can understand the things of God. That goes completely contrary to the lie that's been pushed us for hundreds of years that we can't know, know things. But it's time the lights go on in the church. It's time the lights go on. And with the light comes understanding. This is why teaching is so important. We're in a generation where more than ever, it's time for the lights to be on. Let's turn the lights on bright. Let's start getting wisdom and understanding. 
because the New Testament shows us how the things of God work. The New Testament brings us an understanding of how healing works, how answered prayer works. You won't find that as clear in the Old Testament. It's only as the light of the New Testament comes. And, and along with that is the New Testament truth about faith. Faith is, is, is an area that's highlighted. Uh, the, the light is shone on that area of truth over and over and over again. Faith is highlighted in the light because God wants us to see some things about faith. He wants us to understand the role that faith plays in many things. Uh, the role that faith plays in your healing. Again, so many Christians are still stuck on the issue. Do I need faith to be healed? You know, can I be healed without my faith? There's some confusion. That just tells me they, they don't have a lot of light on that area. But stick around this ministry. We'll give you some light. We'll give you some understanding. If you're confused about things, you just, just start listening every week. Start connecting and start getting involved. This, these videos happen. I'm putting this out every week. In fact, we're going to be putting more out because it's time for the lights to go on. <laughs> it is time. I can say that again. I like that phrase. It's time for the lights to go on in the church. Jesus brought that light. It is a message of light and understanding. And he wants us to understand. He wants us to know. He wants you to know how things work. And he wants you to know how healing works. It's not a confusing subject. We've confused it because we've been sitting in the darkness about the subject, trying to understand some things. Same with the, rel the realm of the miraculous. And I'm going to show you the light of the New Testament points to the fact that the miraculous is directly connected to faith. If you want more, more miracles in your life, then you need to get a hold of some things about faith. I'm going to show you this. But I wanted to start on that, that idea of light. We need to realize this is a New Testament revelation. Faith is a New Testament truth. It's highlighted in the New Testament. And it's not just something you get saved and receive Jesus by. You certainly do. But let me tell you this. When you receive Jesus with your faith, a miracle happens in your life. I said this last week. That miracle of new birth, when your spirit is raised up, resurrected into new life, God makes you alive on the inside. That is a miracle, a manifestation of resurrection power. Excuse me, power the day you receive Jesus. That miracle, you receive it by faith, by the way. There's no other way to get that one. You cannot get the miracle without faith. That alone should open our eyes and teach us some things. That should show us there's something the New Testament is highlighting. There's light that God is trying to get us to see. Why does he highlight this? Because he wants a people who see this. He wants a people who begin to realize what is capable of, what is possible when we understand faith? He's been trying to do this all along, but it's time for the lights to go on. Now, let's look at some things. It's time for those lies that have been pushed in Christianity, that have held Christians bound in sickness, bound in a place of where they can't get their prayers answered and they're struggling. It's time for those lies to disperse and for light to shine and understanding to come. And the more light, the more understanding you get, and the more you see in the word, the results you're going to get. That's why I say stick around this ministry. We're a teaching ministry. I'm going to help you get light. Okay. Let's look at some things that Jesus said. Now, remember, Jesus is the light. He's the head of the church. Jesus knows better than any theologian that has ever existed within Christianity. There is no theologian that knows more than Jesus knew. Now, there's a lot Jesus held back and didn't tell us, but it doesn't mean he didn't know it. Jesus is the word of God. 
He knows he knows some things. If there has ever been anybody on this planet who understood how the things of God work, it's Jesus. There is not a single minister alive today who knows better than or who knows more than Jesus knew. You need to understand this. He's the head of the church. He's the word of God. He is the light. And if he says something, we need to pay attention because he knew what he was talking about. We can argue with what he said. We can reject what he said if we want to. But I don't, I don't suggest you do that. If you want to be a successful Christian, the last thing you want to do is reject things that Jesus taught us. We need to look and say, if Jesus said some things, he must have known what he was talking about. Now, if you want to argue with him, say, oh, no, no, but it's not that way. Then you need to say, am I calling Jesus a liar? Am I saying that Jesus didn't know what he was talking about? Because either he did or he didn't. Now let's look at some things. I'm gonna go, we're going to look at three main passages of what Jesus said. And every time you're going to see he connects faith to the miraculous. Let's look at this. Matthew chapter 21. I've referred to this before, but I want to look at this now. Some of you might have heard the scriptures before, but I want, I want, to, I want to put this in context of the, the teaching we're doing on the miraculous. Uh, many times people see the faith side of this and we're teaching on the faith side, but show that what is he showing faith can do? He's not just showing you faith Faith can do something small and, and minor. This is a miracle that's ha happening here. He's connecting faith to the miraculous. So Matthew 21, uh, verse 21 says, And so Jesus answered and said to them, Assuredly, I say to you, if you have faith, there it is right there. He starts. Surely I say to you, surely means this is certain. This is absolute. This is something you need to realize is sure. Assuredly, I say to you, if you have faith, now that's conditional, if. Now, if Jesus is, is, is about to tell you that if you have faith, in fact, let me read the whole phrase. If you have faith and do not doubt, is, is that part of the phrase. If you have faith and do not doubt. If he's saying, if he's about to say, if you have faith, then what I, the next thing I say applies to you because if you have faith. We need to prick our ears up and we, we need to say, what is he saying that will happen if I have faith? What, does, what is Jesus saying can happen? And, uh, and he's directly connecting it to faith. It's conditional as well. In other words, if you do not have faith and you do doubt, let's flip the phrase around the other way. If you do not have faith and you do doubt, then the rest of this passage doesn't apply to you. It won't happen because it's all hinges on the condition and he stops off this saying, if you have faith, okay, what does he say will happen if you have faith and do not doubt? If you have faith and do not doubt, you, you, and that's you and me, you will not only do what was done to the fig, to the fig tree. Let's pause there for a second. What, what, what was done to the fig tree? He, said, he says, if you have faith, you will not only do what was done to the fig tree. Now, I know he's about to talk about mountains, but let's stick on the fig tree for a little bit. Many people are struggling with mountains. Uh, you, you know, a mountain is a lot bigger than a fig tree. If you can't get a hold of this with a fig tree, you're going to struggle to get a hold of it with a mountain. Okay, so let's start where he started. He says, if you have faith, you'll not only do what was done to the fig tree. What was done to the fig tree? Many of us know. But, you know, let's, let's, let's think about it. Jesus walked up to, if you read earlier in the passage, it shows what happened to the fig tree. Jesus walked up to a tree. 
not not a figurative tree. When it says fig tree, that's not short for figurative. This was a real tree in the natural world. He walked up to a tree looking for fruit. And when he didn't find any fruit, the Bible says he spoke to that tree. And he said something to that tree. He says, no one ever going to eat fruit of you ever again. And, and what happened next? The Bible then says immediately that the, the, it died from the roots. That tree died. And in fact, the other Gospels indicates 24 hours later that they were walking past there or the next morning. So it could be, could be 12 hours later. They were walking past and the disciples saw this tree and they looked at it and, and they were like, oh, look how quickly that tree died. It was visibly evident that the tree had died within a matter of a few hours. In other words, it went from a visibly living tree, green, I don't know if it had leaves or whatever, certainly didn't have fruit. And, 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 and yet within a matter of hours, this tree, I'm not just talking about a little twig or a little, you know, tiny little plant or a blade of grass, a tree. This entire tree within a matter of hours was visibly dead. It had shriveled up. It had completely changed, gone brown. It was to, to the point that you could look at it and see it was dead. In other words, the disciples could visibly see within a matter of hours a change to that tree. They saw it when Jesus cursed it. They saw it a few hours later and it caused them to stop in front of that tree and say, Master, look what happened to the tree. This isn't something that wasn't visible. This is something they could visibly see a major Enough change in that tree a few hours later to where they, they paused and they questioned Jesus about it. Look at what happened. It's so quickly. So when Jesus says, you'll not only do what was done to the fig tree, that is what was done to the fig tree. Jesus spoke to that tree and in a matter of a few hours or a short period of time, you're not talking three weeks, that tree visibly died and, and a, the power went into that tree and a change took place in that tree. And people say, why did Jesus kill the fig tree? That's not the point. You're missing the point. Listen to what, the, the, what he taught about. He's trying to teach them something. Okay. Well, I'm not talking about a, a figurative tree, a, a real tree. Jesus didn't say, you will not only do what was done to the fig tree, except actually only figurative fig trees. Look at what he says. You will not only do what was done to the fig tree. So what was done to the fig tree? A miracle was released into the fig tree when Jesus spoke to it and something happened in the natural realm. That's like a tree in your garden today, flourishing, beautiful, green, wonderful tree. And Jesus walks up that tree, speaks to it, and you wake up the next morning and the tree, all the branches are got dead, all the leaves are dead. The whole thing has changed in the natural realm. That doesn't happen by itself. That's not a natural event. That's a miracle. That is a manifestation of the power of God doing something in the natural realm to bring a visible change over a very quick period of time. Something that doesn't happen like that. But Jesus didn't say, well, yeah, no, that's just something I can do because I'm the son of God. I'm the word of God. I'm the life. Look at, look at what I can do. He then went on to say, if you have faith, you will not only do what was done to the fig tree. Now pause there for a moment and digest that because we've not got a hold of this like we should. Was Jesus lying? Did Jesus get it wrong? Did Jesus maybe not know what he was talking about? Maybe, maybe Jesus was just, you know, 
really just thought he would just say something extreme to his disciples, but never really meant it. No, no. I have a lot more respect for the words of Jesus than that. I have a lot more respect for the head of the church. Now, remember, he, this is Jesus, the word of God. He is the light. So when he says things, he is opening up light and understanding. He is revealing things that previously were understood because they were in darkness. He is opening up an understanding of how the kingdom of God works, how the, the things of God work to the point that they affect the natural realm around us. But this is not just an everyday event. This is not just something small that happened. This is, this is miraculous. This is very much a miracle. That tree, in a matter of hours, went from flourishing to visibly dead. That's a miracle. Jesus said, you will not only do what was done to the fig tree, but also, and I referred to this last week, but, you know, but also, he didn't stop there. He didn't say, well, you know, that's good. You can do what was done to the fig tree, and you guys should just get excited about that. He said, but also, if you say to this mountain, now I'm not going to go into the mountain side of it as much right now, but I want you to see that Jesus didn't even limit it to a tree. He took a major step up from a tree to a mountain and said, you can do, it, do that with your faith too. Now, many Christians are really struggling to get a hold of this. There's been teaching on mountain moving faith and all these different subjects. And, and, and the Christ, Christians are still struggling to get a hold of this. We can't get it into our mind that this is possible. But it's time we start getting it into our mind. It's time we start getting it into our heart. It's time that the light's gone. It's time that understanding that we start to be able to see what Jesus said. Jesus is connecting here the fact that faith is connected to the manifestation of miraculous things happening. Miraculous means things that don't really happen in the natural. So yeah, that's, that's the first scripture. Believe what he said, grab a hold of it. And, 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 and the reality of this needs to set home inside of us. Now let's look at something else Jesus said. Mark chapter 9, verse 23. Mark chapter 9, verse 23 says this. It's going to read the one verse, but it's Jesus speaking again. Jesus is the light. Now, I realize some of us might have heard these scriptures before. We might have heard these concepts before. But you know what? We need to see it more. And the reason I'm teaching on a relatively basic level today is we really need to see this. This has got to get through to us. God wants us to see this connection between the miraculous and faith. So many Christians are sitting in the dark, confused. Oh, how I wish I could have a miracle. God, I need a miracle. Pray for me, please. Somebody pray for me. I need a miracle. And Jesus is trying to say, this is what faith can do in your life. And we just say, oh, oh okay, well, yeah, but that faith stuff's hard. God, I need a miracle. God, I need a miracle. And he shines the light, light us, shines the light back on the subject of faith and says, faith is where your answer is. And we take a look and say, yeah, but I just don't see that. God, I need a miracle. God, I need a miracle. And God says, point it back. He points it back to faith. He says, that's where your answer is. And we're not seeing it. We keep turning away from the subject, resorting back to other means, saying, oh, God, where? how do I get my miracle? I need a miracle, God, if you can just do a miracle in my life. And he points the subject back, shines the light onto the subject, the light of Jesus, the light of the word. He says, this is where what I want you to see in the New Testament. Faith is a New Testament message. It is for Christians. It's for believers. This is where God's trying to get us. Hello, Elise, by the way. I do see the hello in there. <laughs> okay. This is not an alt one alternative version of Christianity. 
This is what the Bible's trying to highlight to us. He just kept Jesus is the light. He's the head of the church. He keeps pointing back to this. There's a reason for that. Let's, let's, let, let, let's, uh, I see Diaz posted something. I'll read that in a minute. But Mark chapter 9, verse 23. Let's look at this. Jesus here again is the one speaking. And he says this. Jesus said to him, Jesus talking to a man here. So in context of a healing situation. But it says, Jesus said to him, if you can believe, if you can believe. Okay. All things are possible. Now, in fact, Diana, what you've just said, yeah, there's an answer in the verse I'm just reading. Because Diana's just said, some people say, oh, but Jesus was only telling the disciples that they are the ones who could do it. Not for us today, only the disciples. Then why would, why did Jesus use words like whosoever? Why did Jesus use words like whosoever believes? That That's broader. See, again, it's human understanding that's trying to, Bring down the words of Jesus to a lower level to where we can comprehend it in our mind and explain it away and justify why we don't walk in these things. If Jesus were here today, he'd be saying exactly the same. You can do it. He would be speaking these same words to people today. And in fact, he is through his word because he's wanting us to realize it. And he uses words like whosoever. Now, notice what he says in this verse. Jesus here is talking not to his disciples. This phrase he did not say to his disciples. He's talking to another man who has brought his son to, to get free from, that, free from that spirit. So what Jesus says here was even said to his disciples. But notice what he says. Jesus said to him, not to Peter, James, John and the other 12 or any of the others, said to him, the man, if you can believe, you, not the disciples, the man, if you can believe, all now, now he gives you now here's the key. All things are possible to you. He said. He didn't say if you can you can't just say this is only to the man, because he says, if you can believe all things are possible to you. Now, if that's what Jesus said, then then potentially people could say, Well, it only applied to the man. It's not what Jesus said. Jesus said, if you to the man, if you can believe, all things are possible to him. Who believes that's a generalized statement jesus is giving a generalized statement he is showing this man in the context of this situation this statement applies to him but the statement is generalized in other words all things are possible to him who believes anyone and he's showing that connection between the the, the believing which is faith and the all things are possible again this is the words of our lord and savior our master jesus the head of the church the light What's he trying to show us? He's trying to show us something. He's trying to bring an understanding of what faith is capable of doing. Now, the enemy doesn't want you to see this. The enemy has, has done everything he can to fill the church with darkness in the area of teaching. He has tried to do everything he can to keep the light out. He has gotten the blind to lead the blind, the blind to teach the blind and to lead them into more blindness. That's what Jesus showed. Teaching that's not in line with the word that just leads people into more darkness, more confusion, more blindness. And it's created confusion. God doesn't want us in that. He wants us in the light because in the light is understanding. Now, let's, let's go to another thing here with Jesus. Matthew chapter 14. 
Matthew chapter 14. Now, this one was, was related to Peter, but I still want you to see connection with the truth that's going on here. Matthew chapter 14 says, uh, says this. Now, this is, this is the passage about walking on the water. And we, you know, we might have heard about it, but again, this whole idea of walking on the water is not very real to a lot of Christians. As with most Bible miracles, we look at this as, as oh, it's a wonderful thing Jesus did, but it's 2,000 years ago. It's very detached from us. And, and, and the reality of what's going on here isn't very real to a lot of people. One of the things I've been trying to do in these series is meditate a bit on the miraculous. Put yourself in. Just imagine what's actually going on here because it's powerful. It's powerful. So let's read Matthew chapter 14 and verse 24. It says this, but... But the boat was now in the middle of the sea. Well, what boat? This is the boat the disciples were on. They had been with Jesus on the shore. Jesus had told them to get on the boat and, and go to the other side. And Jesus had stayed there to pray. Okay. So the disciples start crossing the sea. And, and the indication is here that a few hours go past. This isn't three minutes later. Jesus spends some time in praise, praying into the night on the shore by himself. And the disciples are going. Now, these are, these are experienced fishermen. And it's evident that they are struggling to actually get across this lake, this sea. And, and they're a few hours into their trip here. And it talks about the fact that, the, the, that they were in the middle of the sea. They're only halfway through the journey. And it says that the, the wind in verse 24, the, the boat was being tossed by the waves and the wind was pulling it in the opposite direction. These tough disciples, experienced fishermen, they're evidently struggling to get this boat going somewhere. It's struggling to cross. And now notice what happens. Yeah, they are having a tough time to get anywhere. Verse 25. Now in the fourth watch of the night. See, this is why we say a few hours has gone past. They set, they set off a while ago. He's been praying. Fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea. Now, somehow, walking on the sea, Jesus has managed to cross a couple of hours worth of their, their rowing the boat. He's gotten further in his little bit of time than they got in many hours that have gone past. They left him on the shore and they continued on this journey. He's caught them here. Now, I don't know if, 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 if maybe he was transported part of the way. Or I don't, we don't really know. But evidently, the struggles on the, on, 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 of the wind and the waves are not affecting Jesus' progress. He's managing to just keep walking through the water. The wind, he's not, not only is he walking on the water, he's going quicker than them. <laughs> and in fact, he, it, it indicates he's going to walk past them. There's a lot going on here. So they're struggling. And, 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 uh, and, 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 and um, yeah, the disciples, basically, they're sitting here. They look and they see this figure coming toward them. Again, imagine if you were a fisherman. Imagine if you were out in the middle of, a, of an ocean somewhere in a boat and, and you just see somebody walking along on the water. We hear things in the Bible so often that they just don't become real to us. I'm pretty sure if you, if, if you were sitting, maybe you're crossing the channel on a ferry on your way to France, you know. It's so like a, a few hours journey on the ferry. And you look out the window on the ferry and you're looking at the beautiful ocean around you. And suddenly you just see some figure walking past you on the water. You'd, you'd probably scratch your eyes and go, did I just see that? Because that's not normal. This is not just everyday stuff. This is a miracle taking place here. This, is a, this isn't, like I said, a lot of Christians are struggling to get a hold of healing. This is a step up from that. This is the miraculous in an incredible way happening here. 
And so it says, when the, the, verse 26, the disciples saw him uh, walking on the sea. They were troubled. I'm pretty sure you'd be troubled too. <laughs> Saying it's a ghost. They cried out for fear. He's a fisherman and they, they're afraid of what's going on in, around them in, 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 in the sea. And, and verse 27, but immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, be of good cheer. It's I. Do not be afraid. Okay, that's all right. It's me, guys. Verse 28, Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. Catch this. Catch what happens here. Did God decide to do this miracle? Now, Peter, Jesus is walking on the water. Let's focus on Peter for a little bit. Because the next thing we see Peter walk on the water. Who, who, made, who is the one who initiated whether this miracle happened? Jesus didn't say, God, Lord, Peter, Peter, the Lord, God, God has spoken to me to tell you to come out here as well. And Peter goes, who, me, me? Oh, I got called out of the crowd. You know, everyone was prophet to call them out of the crowd. Here he is with the 12 disciples and, the, and Jesus gives them a word and says, Peter, Peter, it's you. Come, come out, walk on the water. This is not how this happens. This comes from Peter. Peter says, Lord, if it's you, call me out there with you. Jesus doesn't turn to him and say, oh, Peter, that's not how the miraculous works. You can't just ask for these things. No. Peter, Peter, Jesus said, that's fine. Come along, Peter. Jump out the boat. Come join me. <laughs> See, God wants you flowing in the miraculous. He's quite happy for you to jump out the boat and walk in the miraculous with him. But this comes from Peter, not from Jesus. Anyway, so verse 29, he says, come. And, and says, when Peter had come down out of the boat, Notice this phrase, he walked on the water. So often we focus on him sinking, but he walked on the water. That's the good part of this. He actually did it. Not Jesus is not the only one walking on the water. There are now two, two figures walking on the water here. Wow. I, I, I personally, I do not, I still don't get this. What, what are the other 11 doing in the boat? I, I, if I was one of them, I would say, I, I me too. He, he just got out. I want to try that. But there's not this silence going on in the boat. But that's another story anyway. I think they're probably just too shocked. They're just looking at like, what? There's two of them on the water now? The miraculous is in manifestation. This is contrary to the laws of nature. You don't walk on water. Water is not solid enough to, to support a human being. And a miracle is in manifestation here. One that Peter has asked for in his life. Didn't come from God. Came from Peter asking. So anyway, verse 30, and I'm going to come back to this in a moment. When he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out saying, Lord, save me. And what happened here? He is walking in a miracle. Something inside of him changed. Some, catch this. The miracle shuts down. He starts to sink. Why? Is it because Jesus said, oh, Peter, that's, that's far enough. That's all the miracle you're getting today. Back to the boat with you. The Lord has said that that, 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 that that's, is enough for thou, Peter. No, it didn't come from Jesus. This didn't come from God. This miracle stopping or starting to shut down. It says he was afraid and beginning to sink. I wonder what that looked like. I mean, he's walking on the water. It doesn't say just when splash into the water. He began to sink. 
that that's even a, that's even a bit interesting there. That's still something not quite happening yet. It almost means you get the impression that it's starting to shut down, but it hasn't quite shut down. But he starts to sink. Can you? And he's no longer feet on top of the water. He's now knee deep in the water, but he's still walking on it to a degree. There's still something going on here. Okay, yeah, like, like my mom said, the natural started taking over. But what I want you to see is why. Something changed on Peter's end that caused this. This is what I want you to begin to see. So often we think all of the miraculous is in God's hands. It's up to him whether he does it. It's up to him that a miracle happens. And it's got very little to do with me. That's what those who are blind want you to be blind about too. They want you in darkness. They want you thinking miracles are random things that are all up to God. And it's got very little to do with you. And the moment you teach about things like faith, they want to shut you down. They want to have the loudest voice in the church. And they want to deny it all. And they want you still in the darkness and in confusion. Let's get let's move away from all that garbage. Let's start looking at what the Bible says. Okay? It's time for the lights to come on in the church. It's time for us to start seeing some things in the Word and understand what's going on here. Something changed in on Peter's side. This has got nothing to do with God. This is something inside of Peter that happened. What happened? I'll study that in a minute. I'll come back to that. But I want you to notice something happened in him. And what happened when a change happened inside of his side? The miracle began to shut down. That tells me this. That miracle happening was directly connected to some things happening in Peter. This isn't just happening all in God's hands. We've been taught it's all up to God, but something happens inside of Peter and the miracle starts to shut down. That, you see, if we could just see this, we could begin to realize, well, sometimes things don't happen in our lives. Sometimes we're all excited in faith when we start out, but then we start to get afraid. We start to get our eyes off it. We start to look around like Peter starts looking. And then, the, and then we never experience the miracle because we, we, we get we, something, a change happens in us and the miracle doesn't happen. And then we say, oh God, why didn't you do the miracle? That's not how it worked with Peter here. A change happened in him and the miracle started shutting down. P Jesus walking on the water was one thing. We're not given a lot of details except that it happened. With Peter, we're given the details. This miracle happened because he asked for it. God didn't initiate this. This wasn't a word from the Lord from Jesus. And it shut down because something changed on Peter's side. That tells me we are far more connected to the miraculous than we realize. We are, you are far more connected to whether a miracle happens in your life than you realize. It's what the enemy wants you to see. He wants you to just think it's all up to God. This passage is showing us Peter played a major factor in this miracle. This isn't just an, a day-to-day, everyday event. Again, one of the most powerful miracles in the New Testament. And the, the indicators are that whether it happened for him and whether it continued to happen for him was directly connected to some things in him. And I'll look at what they were in a minute, but let's keep reading on to verse 31. I know I spent a bit of time and I kept repeating myself there, but this is so important. We've got to begin to rest. One of the big reasons many people are not experiencing the miracles is not because of something on God's side. It's because of things that are happening on our side. 
It's why teaching light is so important. This is what God's trying to highlight us. He is trying to show us how to get these things happening. He's highlighting, he's pointing light on things and saying this right here, this right here, make this adjustment. This will help you get the miraculous in your life. And we say, oh, no, I don't see that, God. I don't, I don't, yeah, that's just hard work. Ah, that faith stuff's hard work. God, you just do it all. Not how it works. Peter, the change happened in him. The miracle shut down. Now, let's see what happens next. So I, I think, you know, I, I'm very grateful for the mercy of God. You know, Peter could have just walked past him and said, well, Peter, swim back to the boat. You failure, you. <laughs> okay. Jesus didn't do that. I, I love Je the way Jesus helped him. See, you know, God knows we start kind of learning some things. He's trying to get us somewhere, but sometimes when we mess it up a little bit, he, he and we start to say he helps us along the way. Now he doesn't. He doesn't want it to be that you're always needing that after you know 45 years of him constantly having to pick you up every time you sing. He's trying to get us to grow so that we can keep walking on the water. But with Peter, he helps him and and and, and says. Um, uh, verse 31, immediately Jesus stretched out his hand, caught him, and said to him, oh, it just looks like God didn't want to do a miracle for you, Peter. I'm sorry. We'll just, we'll try again tomorrow. Maybe the Lord, if the Lord is willing, maybe tomorrow you can walk on the water again, Peter. We'll try again. We'll see if the Lord's will wants you. No, no, no. There's nothing in there about that. What does Jesus say to him? This is a miracle happening here. Jesus stretched out his hand, verse 31, caught him and said to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Why did Jesus talk about Peter's faith in this situation? What did that have to do with the miraculous? Everything. We've not seen this like we should. Like I said, some people are struggling still to even get a hold of this in the area of healing. This isn't a healing. This is a step up. This is the flowing in the miraculous. We, you know, the church as a whole is starting to get a hold of, well, you know, God heals and more people are starting to accept that. But taking a step beyond that into the realm of the miraculous, we still just think, well, you know, that's all up to the Lord. That's not what this passage teaches. We need to see this. There's some things God wants us to step into. He wants us to be able to flow in some of these things. But Jesus, now remember, who's Jesus? Jesus is the light. He's the one who brings understanding. He shines the light on truth. He is the one who came into the world and everyone said they saw the light when they saw him. This is the, the light himself. The word of God made flesh himself says to Peter, oh, you little faith. Why did Jesus connect that miracle to, G to Peter's faith because Jesus knew what he was talking about. Jesus understood some things we haven't understood. Jesus show is showing Peter why the miraculous wasn't happening in his life. And he didn't point about anything out about God. He pointed it out about Peter. Amen. I'll read that afterwards, Becca, because I'm teaching. I <laughs> can't quite see what it all says there. But now let's look at the details of what happened. Okay. So you got a picture of a lighthouse put on a page. Yes, Jesus is the light. Okay, I agree there. And I see what you say, see, saying there, Becca. The light. Jesus is the light. That lighthouse. Okay. Um, why 
let's look at the details of, of what happened here. What specifically happened in Peter? What was the change that happened in him? Because this is so important. We've, we need to realize how important this is. Verse 30. Peter's walking on the water. In fact, before we go to verse 30, go all the way to verse 24. This is, this is the start of the passage. We read it at the start. It says the boat was in the middle of the sea. This is before they even see Jesus walking on the water. In verse 24, it says the boat was in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. In other words, the wind and the waves was happening long before Jesus arrived. All, that, all the negative, the wind, the waves, the storm, it didn't suddenly happen later in the passage. It's been going on the whole time. Okay, so the wind and the waves are going on. But now comes Jesus, walks on the water. Peter says, come, jumps out, gets out, walks on the water. And now what happens in verse 30? Notice this important word. When he saw, he saw. It's got to do with what your eyes, what he was looking at. This is an important phrase here, and you're gonna, you'll see this multiple times in the Bible. In fact, I'll give you a couple more just before I close into today's teaching. We need to realize that there's what you see with your eyes, what you look at it, what you see on the inside of you has got a lot to do with whether you're walking in the miraculous. When he saw that the wind was boisterous, that wind's been there all along. It didn't just suddenly arrive, but suddenly he begins to look at it. Look. He saw. Now, what happened when his eyes began to look at the wind? There was a response on the inside of him. When he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid. What he saw was fear, and he began to sink. Now, this, that phrase, you'll find that phrase quite a few times in the Bible. And in fact, it's actually in verse 23 as well. Verse 23, when they first saw Jesus walking on the water, notice this. And when the disciples saw him, underline that word saw, saw him walking on the sea, they troubled saying it is a ghost and they cried out for fear. What they saw caused a reaction of fear on the inside of them. And this is, this is all we're told about Peter and immediately he began to sink. We, have, we need to understand the importance of what you see, what you're looking at, what your eyes are on. If you start to get your eyes on the wrong thing, it'll cause the wrong response on the inside of you and can shut your miracle down. Many people, are, 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 they, they don't realize that they just look at whatever they look at. They begin to look at things. They get afraid and they still think, well, I'm, I'm still in faith. I'm terrified I'm going to die, but I'm still in faith. No, 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 no. If you're getting your eyes off some things onto some other things, what you are looking at, what you are seeing is going to affect the result and the miracle happening in your life. Let's look at a couple of other situations. In fact, I'll read this one to you. Don't to turn there. Last week we spoke about uh, the Red Sea. This, this exact phrase is in that passage as well. Exodus chapter 14 and verse 10. When, when the children of Israel were, were came up to the Red Sea, this is what the Bible says. And when Pharaoh drew near, now Pharaoh decides to chase them. When Pharaoh drew near, the children of Israel lifted their eyes. Eyes. Okay. This phrase is in there. Exodus 14. Lifted their eyes and behold, the Egyptians marched after them. So they were very afraid. Wow. That's the same. That's practically the same phrase. 
what they saw caused a reaction of fear. With Peter, what he saw caused a response of fear and his miracle started shutting down. What you look at, what you see affects your faith. Looks like, let, let me give you another example. Exodus chapter, uh, sorry, Exodus, not Exodus 13, Numbers 13. This is when the children of Israel come to the verge of the promised land. And would you agree with me that going into the promised land was a manifestation of the power of God? In Joshua, when God took them in, that, the first battle they faced was Jericho. Power of God manifested. Every battle they faced, God's power was backing them up. Entering that land was miracle after miracle after miracle in winning battles. But here, the previous generation comes up to the, God brings them right up to the verge of the land. What stopped them going in? Well, people say, well, you know, Hebrews tells us it was their unbelief. Yes, that's true. Let's look a little bit more. Let's look a little bit more detail. Numbers chapter 13, verse 32 and 33. This shows when the, when, when the 12 spies went into the land. They came back with a bad, bad report, but what did they say? Verse 33, this is what they say. There we saw the giants. The descendants of Anak came from the giants, and we were like grasshoppers in our own sight, and so we were in their sight. What they saw eventually caused them not to be able to go into the land. We need to realize it's so important what you're looking at. It is somewhat, this affects whether your miracle happens or not. The children of Israel never got their miracle. They couldn't enter the promised land. An amazing manifestation of the power, not because God wouldn't take them in, but because of what they were looking at. Peter started to sink, not because God turned the power off, not because God, Jesus said, we don't want you walking on water anymore. Tough for you, Peter. But because of what Peter began to see and look at so important what your eyes are focusing on so important we've not begun to realize this this affects the miraculous this affects your faith if you start to get your eyes on the wrong thing let me read you one other scripture this is this is an in um hebrews 12 you've heard of all today's teaching is relatively basic I'm doing this relatively basic because I really want us to see the connection between faith and miracles. I want us to begin to realize that these principles of faith have the power and potential to release the miraculous into your life. God's trying to get us to see this so that we can flow in the miraculous. You get faith working in your life, you'll have more miracles happening in your life. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. We've heard this, but listen to this. Looking, what do you look with? You look with your eyes. Looking unto Jesus. That word looking comes, uh, the Greek word means to stare at, to stare at something. You know, you ever had someone, they just won't take their eyes off of you. So are you staring at me? To stare at something means you don't take your eyes off it. Okay. So the word looking means to stare at Jesus. And it has to do with, the, the word has to do with, uh, just seeing with the eyes, looking at, seeing with the mind, seeing with, the word means look, seeing with the eyes, seeing with the mind. It's to stare at and to just keep your entire focus on. Looking unto Jesus. Now, what does it tell you after it tells you to look unto Jesus? Looking unto Jesus, 
the author and finisher of our what? Faith. Is there a connection between what you look at and your faith? Over and over again in the Bible, you see there is. If you start getting your eyes off, if you start getting your eyes onto the wrong thing, don't be surprised if the miraculous doesn't happen in your life. This is why that passage is in there about Peter. The reason he sank, the reason his miracle shut down is not because of anything on God's side. It's because of something on his side. And it was all connected to what he was looking at, what his eyes were seeing. If we can begin to see the right things, miraculous will flow more in your life. If you begin to start seeing the wrong things, miraculous shuts down in your life. It's not all, it's not all in God's hands. It's a lot more in our hands. Now, as I said, I've kept today's teaching a bit more basic in one sense. I mean, it might not be basic for everybody, but I've, I, for, for people who know how, how I teach, in one sense, some of this is I've gone very line upon line today. But it's because I want us to really grasp this connection between the miraculous and sometimes the miraculous and faith. And, and sometimes in order to see that, we've just got to zero in on truths, which is what I've tried to do. I've really kept on a couple of these verses specifically with the intended purpose of just trying to open our eyes even more than we've ever seen before. These are not just healing messages. Yes, healing is connected to faith. These are miraculous. These are miracles happening. And over and over again, Jesus keeps pointing it and connecting it to the, to the whole subject of faith. What is going on here? This is the New Testament light shining on the New Testament truth that faith is connected to the miraculous in our lives. God wants us to see this. I believe if we can start to get a hold of this, begin to realize this, we can start accessing more of the power of God manifesting in our life than we've ever had before. God wants this to start happening. God's not holding back on miracles. He's not the one who shut them down in the first place. People say, oh, thousands of years, you know, they had miracles then and then God stopped doing miracles. No, no, no. God didn't shut any of this down. Things changed on our end like changed in Peter. A church in the early church was a word-based, faith-filled church started to over about or 300 years ended up a very unbelieving church the less word they had taught in the church the less miracles happened you look at the history of it all the more false doctrine and false teaching entered the church the the, the, the less miracles happened in the church why there's a direct connection the more word-based the more faith-filled the more miracles god didn't shut the miracles down something changed on our end and that's why miracles stopped happening in the church. It's always been God's intention that the miraculous was supposed to be happening. Well, if we can recapture what was causing miracles to happen back then, we can start stepping into it again. And you as an individual can have the miraculous flow in your life if you begin to recognize the connection between faith and miracles. So God bless you. And uh, let's, let's just pray here. And then we'll close up. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the power of your word. I thank you for the truths of your word. And Father God, I just pray in the name of Jesus that you will open the eyes of our understanding. Give us light. Help us see this even more, Father God. You have been trying to get the church to see this for decades now. Help us to see it. Help us to get a hold of this finally. To begin to realize the, the, the power and the potential of what faith can do and what Jesus and Paul and the other writers were trying to show us. So that once and for all, we can step into this. 
and and we give you the glory and the honor and the praise thank you father god that that, that the power of god manifests in people's lives and things happen as we begin to get a hold of this lord and i believe that in the name of jesus amen now, i've seen some of the comments and i saw johnson it's good to see you jay the son there johnson it's really good to have you with us and some of the others so thank you for all the comments i'll read them through afterwards and again We'll be back again next week sometime, continuing. We'll probably be on the same thing. We're going to look, keep exploring the faith side of this in connection to the miraculous. And then I've got, after that, I've already got my next series connected to the miraculous as well, something we're going to look at and some other things that we're going to talk about. So God bless you, Helen. Thank you as well. Bless you. And we will see you all again uh, next week.